podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. And it's the winter at last. Well, certainly as far as the cricket and England are concerned, because they're now away, of course, in Sri Lanka, part of uh, the fairly intricate tours that they've got coming up this winter with first one-day tour, then a Test match series against Sri Lanka, and then after Christmas, uh, a couple of different types of cricket, a couple of formats uh, in the West Indies. So, nice hot winter for some of England's players, though Simon Mann is out in Sri Lanka already, and actually... It's more like a, a rainforest, I suppose, is where you are at the moment, rather than a hot, sunny uh, climate, because it's it's just been torrential rain, hasn't it, for the last few days? I'm in the jungle, Yozza. I'm in the jungle, uh, just north of Dambulla, where England play the first one-day international on Wednesday. I say play, there must be a doubt over the game. A, the outfield is very wet uh, on the surrounds. They cover the whole ground here in Sri Lanka. They have to. It's the rainy season. But it's very wet. They might have to bring the boundaries in. And even if they do bring the boundaries in, is it going to rain on the day? The forecast is for rain every day this week. It has been raining really hard. Lashed down in the Dambulla area today. I arrived in Colombo at lunchtime and uh, right on cue, left the terminal building. It started to rain. And then we had a, a harem, scarum drive uh, into the centre of Sri Lanka. It's pouring with rain and our driver thought he was... A combination of James Hunt and Nicky Lauder and Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> well, and, and Lewis Hamilton as well. Uh, so overtaking and, and, and nipping back in on a on a, a two-lane road, i.e., you know, you go one way, not 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 two lanes on one side and two lanes on the other, just a two-lane road. Uh, he was, you know, lots of o- attempted overtaking. It took us quite a long time to to get to Dambulla. We got here in one piece, checked in at reception, and the the, the, the guy at reception said, "Oh, we've got a very bad team." And, and Sri Lanka have been struggling of late. And so, you know, it's a great chance for England. Sri Lanka lost to Bangladesh by 137 runs. Bangladesh by 137 runs and Afghanistan by 91 runs in the Asia Cup. So, you know, it's England in a strange situation here. If they do get on the field, they're actually favourites for the series. They're favourites for a series in Sri Lanka where they haven't had a great record over the years. Of course, I mean, England are favourites in most one-day series, which is a bizarre turnaround, really, from the last time they were in Sri Lanka, when we were both there in 2014, just before the the World Cup. And, of course, at the time, uh, this seems like ancient history, but Alistair Cook was actually captain of the England one-day side, and he played... Like a, a sort of like like he plays, didn't he? he? Played pretty much a sort of test match kind of innings with a little bit more impetus, perhaps. But England was still scoring at sort of eighty per hundred balls most of the players, and you could see, you could feel the frustration. I think in one game they had Bell, Cook, and Balance in the top four, and it's incredible, isn't it? The transformation since Cook was was demote, demoted as captain and and eased out of the team on the way home. And England have rebuilt their one-day side completely since then and obviously have completely turned the tables on, on the other countries in the way that they've played. But I, I suppose, you know, it, in actual fact, that series was played slightly later in the year, more like November, December. Mm. And even then, the weather was if, iffy. There was a couple of... I remember we were at uh, Hambantota, that uh, southernmost point, 
and the rain there was absolutely torrential. They did manage to get most of the games in, but it does seem actually a little bit odd to be playing in Sri Lanka at this time of year because you you know you need kind of well sort of flippers rather than cricket boots, don't you? Yeah, I, I mean it is the rainy season. I was just having dinner tonight, and there was a a Scotsman in the the buffet area, and he he didn't have anything to do with cricket, and he he, he realised we were there to to do with cricket, and he just said, "Oh, you don't want to be playing now. It's the rainy season. October's the wettest month in Sri Lanka." So. You know, that's what England are up against. That was a memorable tour, actually, four years ago, or just under four years ago, because you're right, it was closer to Christmas, got back in December after England lost 5-2. I mean, it was a sort of watershed tour. All that speculation about Cook's captaincy. I mean, the selectors actually went to see him in in the September before that tour and, and, and discussed the captaincy role. And then... All the time we were in Sri Lanka, England lost 5-2, as I said. Actually, it wasn't that bad a result. I mean, what did they expect out here? They didn't have a great side. Sri Lanka was still pretty decent. Sangakara was playing, for example. Uh, you know, England did respectably in that series. They won a couple of matches. Um, but all the speculation about Cook's captaincy during that series, and we were being briefed uh, by the England management and the England hierarchy that there would be no change, absolutely there would be no change, Cook is our captain for the World Cup, and then what do you know, two or three days after England get back, Cook, Cook is sacked, and then they went into the World Cup with, with Owen Morgan, there just wasn't time to change it round. Uh, before the World Cup, and we, we all know what happened in that World Cup. So in a way, you know, Sri Lanka four years ago and then the World Cup combined was, sort of, was a real sort of low in England one-day cricket. There'd be quite a few of them over the years. I mean, they'd be pretty mediocre for a, for a long time, really, since the 1992 World Cup in Australia. They haven't been a great one-day side, but now they are a really decent one-day side. And as you say, I mean, uh, perhaps we shouldn't be surprised that England go into a series... Uh, as favourites these days, even in Sri Lanka, where they have got a very poor record. They've won six of 21 completed matches in Sri Lanka, 15 uh, victories for the, the home side. And and overall, actually, Sri Lanka have just got the better of England in one day cricket, 34 to 33. And there's that one tie with Liam Plunkett hitting that last ball for six at, at Trent Bridge. So England, haven't, overall, England haven't got a great record against Sri Lanka, but it just shows you, I think, the, the, the low ebb that Sri Lanka and now find themselves in that, you know, that England are, are, are quite strong favourites to win here. But what will be interesting, Simon, is the, the pitches out here. I, I, I've got a sense that, you know, if we do get on, they, they won't be belters, that they'll be sort of difficult pitches on which to score. In other words, playing to, you know, typical Sri Lankan strength with the spinners involved and, and making it hard to score. England like, like flat pitches, don't they? I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to be able to create dry Bunsen burners with the, the, the weather around, actually. Although they, they are miracle workers, those Sri Lankan groundsmen. I think there's going to be a tinge of, of green in some of these pitches. Uh, actually, my favourite, just, just to recap slightly, my favourite memory of that 2014 tour to Sri Lanka was, was not on the pitch at all, actually, but it was at Kumar Sangakara's parents' home in Kandy, where he was sort of brought up, and he invited me over for tea one morning. And uh, he just cre- performed brilliantly the day before in the Candy the Stadium and scored a, an absolutely spectacular 91 and was caught on the boundary in the last over, I think off Chris Wokes, a short ball which he pulled, tried to hit the six and was caught on the deep wicket boundary, the, 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 the fielder at full stretch. And uh, as I was having tea with Kumar the day after... And uh, it was a very sort of nice atmosphere, family home and everything. His father walked in, who's his sort of biggest critic, harshest critic, but also the greatest supporter. And he came in wielding 
The Art of Cricket by Donald Bradman. Uh, and and he said he just said to Kumar, you you should even before he'd even met me, he just said you shouldn't be playing that pull shot. You shouldn't be playing that pull shot here. This is how Bradman played the pull shot. And he brought out a double page spread of this art of cricket, Bradman's great book, uh, with the about a sort of ten photographic sequence of Bradman playing the pull shot, rolling his wrists and keeping the ball down, and then just showed it. To, in fact, he used the book as a sort of mock bat and said, look, this is how you play the pool shot, this is how Bradman did it, rolling the wrists, and you had no business to try and hit it up like that. You you got out, you shouldn't have got out. And he got 91 of about 70 balls, and he just, Kumar just sort of chuckled away, because obviously his father is, is, is typically quite quite harsh on him, although obviously, you know, very proud of him as well. Uh, I, I just thought that sort of, it was a beautiful moment actually to see the father of someone who was so successful still trying to push him to, to greater heights. And of course, the Sri Lankans, ever since the retirement of Kumar Sankara and obviously Mahela Jarwarden, and we shouldn't also forget Tilakaratni Dilshan as well, those three were such influential, brilliant players, especially in one-day cricket, that they're, they're very hard to replace, and it's not surprising that Sri Lanka are, are struggling since. I see that uh, Lassis Malinga is still playing, yeah. and in the Asia Cup he got rather bizarre figures, 4 for 23 in the first game and 0 for 60 in the second game. So I guess it's uh, it's slightly uncertain how effective he will be now with the number of injuries he's had and the lack of cricket he's had. But you sort of expect England to be able to cope with the Sri Lankan bowlers, Given the the, uh, the the battery of of batsmen that they've got, yeah, I mean there's such a strong one day side. I mean, of course, you, one name you, you did mention there around the Sri Lankans, of course, Angelo Matthews dropped from the one day squad. He was in the Asia Cup squad, dropped apparently for you know for running out a couple of his colleagues and you know question marks over sort of his role in the side. So he's not there as well. So it, it does look a sort of a sort of patched up Sri Lanka side compared to the the one we saw here four years ago, uh, and and since the Champions Trophy, uh, Sri Lanka's record they've they've only won eight, they've lost twenty two, they they've even lost to Zimbabwe, they've lost a series to Zimbabwe, uh, you know which which uh, which is unthinkable in a way, isn't it really that, that a side of of that one day pedigree that we've sort of come to associate with Sri Lanka over the years could could lose to Zimbabwe, who were you know pretty average team. These days, so I mean, it, it would be a major surprise if England uh, didn't win the series. Having said that, you know, it, it doesn't promise to be easy. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's never easy playing out here, and just that sort of adapting to Sri Lankan surfaces uh, and, and outfields heat as, as well, well. and, uh, and heat, the heat, the, the humidity, yeah. uh, you know, and and the outfields, perhaps slower outfields with the with with the heavy rain. Mm. Uh, I mean, I remember bowling in Sri Lanka, and actually. You, you were sort of getting sweaty, just running into bowl, uh, you know, never mind having completed an over, and, and your your fingers just get so sort of greasy as a result. So actually keeping hold of the ball and gripping it properly is, is a bit of an art, that you have to constantly have those little towels down your back to uh, sort of coming out of your waistband to keep drying your hands on. And that that is just another another little idiosyncrasy of of getting used to life in Sri Lanka, I, I, actually. And, and of course, you know the driving. You mentioned the driving there, the the, the, the kind of slightly manic experiences on the road. Uh, my favourite memory of that actually was once being stuck in traffic driving up to Kandy in a, in a 
little minibus and we were stuck in this big line of traffic winding its way up a, a one-track road as you say one lane each side no passing places and the, the reason for the the slow moving traffic was that the man at the front there was a person at the front pushing a tea tray on wheels but basically almost on his knees and he was pushing this tea tray on wheels uphill and a trail of about 30 vehicles were behind him unable to overtake so expect the unexpected i suppose you'd say in sri lanka on the roads indeed we saw we saw an elephant as well an elephant in the wild it wasn't a sort of elephant sanctuary or anything like that it was just sort of munching away on the side of the road and we've also been warned about the monkeys there's a, a note in my room which says beware of monkeys roaming about in wanton abandon apparently keep your windows <laughs> closed to ensure your food they do, valuables they steal. But, yeah but the hotel yeah. i was in on that tour four years ago they were nipping in and out of people's rooms uh, off the veranda and stealing their sunglasses so there was sort of monkeys walking around with ray-bans on you know look out for those yeah well they're, apparently they're roaming about in wanton abandon uh, up here, up here in the jungle. In well, Dan I hope Bola. you're just not what... going to be wandering around in wanton <laughs> abandon. Just make sure you you abide by that rule. Just, just back to the cricket for a moment, Simon, and and, and the serious point. How, how relevant is this series to England's World Cup campaign? I mean, we're England are building up to the World Cup now, and it's you know we, we know it's coming. We we know that England are among the favourites, along with uh, you know certainly. India, who, who knows what Pakistan are going to come up with, and Australia and, uh, and South Africa, possibly even New Zealand as well. But you know, there's a lot of expectation on this England side. How, how relevant is this series on these sort of surfaces? I suppose, I mean, the one thing I'm thinking of is that surface that they played on in the Champions Cardiff. Trophy semi-final in Cardiff. You know, yeah. So you, you, know, you do have to uh, you know, adapt and you do have to be able to win on all, all surfaces, even in England, um, in... May, June and possibly July. Yeah, I, I think it is relevant. Uh, I, I think you have to kind of more or less take most of the pitches out of the equation. But scenarios, certainly, you know, if England lose three or four wickets early on because they're all going at it with gangbusters and it doesn't come off, how do they bat then? Do they just keep going or do they try and rebuild? Which players are better at doing that than others? Are they going to rejig their order occasionally? If, you know, if they lose three or four early wickets, would they move someone like Josh Butler up the order to, to five, say, and, and try and allow him? more time to to construct an innings rather than having him as the sort of finisher uh, I, I, so I suppose it, it's situations like that I think they need still need work on their bowling who's going to be the best death bowlers how are they going to bowl at the death are they going to mix up Yorkers and slower balls are they going to go short of a length with the men back deep square leg deep cover you know the, what's the approach to to that period will they bowl spinners in the power play which i i think they probably should and they maybe will have to in sri lanka but that's good to expect examine someone like rashid and, and moin and how they cope with it and just general experience as well the more experience they get in different situations in a one-day game the better they're going to be able to perform under pressure you know in a, a big world cup next year and i suppose from an individual point of view, how effective will someone like Sam Curran be as a, an automatic replacement for David Willey? You know, will he be actually ultimately a better option than Willey, even when Willey recovers his fitness? So I think there's lots of sort of small areas to develop. Uh, and the, the, the overall batting philosophy is obviously very good, but they may just be able to find a bit more adaptability on a, a variety of different surfaces. Yeah, it could well be they're going to have to adapt and play a different game 
out here from the one we've we've seen them play on on the flat pitches over the year since the the World Cup. I suppose England's bowling combination. You, you mentioned David Willey's got a back injury; he's not here, and of course Liam Plunkett's not here as well for the first few games because he's getting married. So there are opportunities for one or two of the bowlers. Ollie Stone is here. You mentioned Sam Curran and and Tom Curran. Tom Curran's last uh, one-day international was Christchurch when England won the series against New Zealand by three matches to two. So you know they have to force their way into the side uh, to start with. And Liam Dawson is here as well, who doesn't strike me as a World Cup option, but he's very much a Sri Lanka option, really, Liam Dawson's type of bowling. Is, is, is that fair? I can't see Liam Dawson being part of England's World Cup squad. No, no I, neither can I. But you always have to have these guys in reserve just to uh, to know whether they're actually able to perform or not. One other little area, England's fielding, you know, it wasn't always... Absolutely top-notch uh, over the last 12 months. It's, it was brilliant 12 months ago, but sometimes they've looked a little bit fallible at times. So, they, you know, they've just got to keep on going. I remember Paul Collingwood saying, well, we had him on this show a couple of weeks ago, saying if you don't evolve 10% a year, you get left behind in the modern game. So that has to be something uppermost in, in all the England players' minds. Listen, we'll, we'll let you go and get some sleep. Just to say uh, for, for you listeners at home that the, the BBC are experimenting with a new programme called The Cricket Social. It's going to be available online and on the BBC Sports app all the time when these one-day internationals are on. So if you fancy catching up with the news and thoughts on the game and on cricket in general, there'll be a cast of uh, the, the familiar TMS names like uh, Aggers and, and Michael Vaughan, Tuffers and others on it. So look out for that, the Cricket Social on BBC Online and on the BBC Sports app. And Simon, we'll speak to you uh, this time next week and hopefully we'll have had some cricket and some England victories. Yeah, well, two, two matches before uh, next Monday. Uh, whether we'll get some cricket, obviously very much depends on the weather in Dambulla. It's supposed to be the dry area of Sri Lanka. Well, it hasn't been very dry over the last few days, so we're slightly battling the elements. Fingers crossed, I think. Yeah, OK, well, we'll speak to you then, and thanks for your time. Podcast Network.